Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the podcast that's just as good as you, damn it! Just as good as you, even though Pa disowned me, even though he never said who I was, just as good. <laughs> just like you, got a right to this name. We got a right to the name Breaking Mayberry, and I have the right to the name Marty Schneider, I'm one of your hosts. I'm your bastard son, Dan Ludwig. <laughs> <laughs> that's and right. With, and I've and come to us, get what's mine. And with us today is the cute brainy one who will be written out of the show eight episodes in, Adam Tatteris. Hey, gentlemen, thanks for having me. If one of you is Heath, the bastard son, and uh, Marty, who would you be? I would guess you... if he if if Dan's Heath, then I'm Nick. Are right? you Nick? Like, does, yeah. Whoa, hold on. Well, this is too much pressure. Does that mean that? That, that means you got to be Jared. I'm Jared. I that am means you, amazed that, means that you guys can tell these people apart. Can I just put this into play? And we haven't even talked about the show that we're talking about, but I imagine that the title of this episode would indicate this. Can I just put into uh, the the suggestion box? I would like to be Victoria Barkley. <laughs> All right. I, we would all like to be Victoria, Adam. Stone it's an aspiration. Silver Fox. I was into it. I know Audra is there for the gays, and I don't mean like the plural, but you know the the patriarchal ZE gays. But also um, a little bit there for the gays. Yeah, with the actually, y. you know what, Audra? I hope all of them is there. Yeah, a little bit there the for the camp. The gays. Yeah, um, but Victoria God. was. Um, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. God, Thank you no, very no, no, much no. for letting me be on the show again. Uh, multiple times I've been on the show. It is my distinct privilege, and I have felt like every single time I've walked away from a recording session with both of you, I've made you want to end the show uh, <laughs> or consider not putting out what we recorded. So I'm happy to be here on my best behavior and to watch a show that my dad likes. Adam, every time I'm with you, I feel like not putting out. <laughs> All right. No, it's always fun to see Marty strain against your pure chaos energy to try to keep (laughs) us within three tangents. Everybody knows that I am known as the nicest Joker. Yeah. For example, for Joker, you want to bring home to mom. (laughs) For example, assholes. It's been two minutes, like two or three minutes, and if you're still listening, let me explain to you what's going on. we are in the middle of one of our mini-series, one of the two mini-series we have going on. This is another episode of Parental Control, a show where we bring people on and ask them to tell us about a show that either was their parents' favorite when their parents were young, was their parents' favorite when they were young, or is their parents' favorite show now. And so Adam Tedris, who I think is our first and maybe only three-time guest. Whoa, I'm the Steve Martin of this podcast. Yeah, you're 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 our you're our only three Pete here. Yippee! Uh, Adam has brought us the Big Valley, mm-hmm. the Big Valley, a Western drama series for, that aired from 1965 to 1969 on ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of seems like it was the precursor to Dynasty and Dallas, and I think probably ran alongside Gunsmoke, but kind of like all of those like western dramas and i guess now yellowstone yeah uh, all of those like family western dramas this was kind of the precursor the first one of those bad boys uh so adam why did you bring us the big valley well for the record this was not my first pick um uh, my first pick was uh the osbournes you know my dad loved that growing up um my dad is benjamin button (laughs) And uh, he watched a lot of the Osbournes, the reality TV with Ozzy and Sharon um, and 
the other two. And uh, I really wanted to watch the Osbournes. I thought it might mess with your timeline of like old shows because parents are old. This uh, is so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go with that one. This I mean, is this, much more within our wheelhouse. I, this I think does we rock could have handled the Osbournes, maybe. Well, so my my yeah, next because I mean, pick... we, we did just do episodes on Supernatural and Stargate SG One, so that, that oh okay, well we, that fits. We could have made that fit. Well, my, but like... so my next my second pick actually my fallback would have been Man vs. Beast. Uh, my you know my mom loved that growing up. I think that came out in two thousand seven, and that was the one where uh, the professional eater Kobayashi had a hot dog eating contest against a bear, a Kodak what? bear. What the fuck are um, you talking about, Adam? Adam, Adam, what are you doing? You would, Adam, you you and I talked about this episode for weeks. Weeks. We had multiple conversations about Shut up, Marty. Shut this. the fuck up. Yeah. And at no point in time did you bring either of these to my attention. What the fuck, Adam? Well, who, hold on. Who have I been emailing about Man vs. Beast? Adam, is it? <laughs> Is each episode Kobayashi trying to have an eating contest against a different animal? No, you fool. Okay. It's the same animal every time. It's always it's always him versus the bear. No. They, they just change out the food. They, he, he really lost that raw salmon contest. Let me tell you, he lost that. One handily. of the episodes was a Navy a Navy SEAL in an obstacle course against a chimpanzee. What the One fuck? of an episode was Kobayashi uh, versus a bear in an eating competition and i know i remember one of them was someone raced a giraffe but i don't i'm sure you know a very fast person tried to race a giraffe and i know there were other episodes and i'm telling you my mom and dad they grew up with it they talk about it all the time their best years are behind them because man versus beast is off the air and man versus beast came out in 2003 jesus christ so i'm going to imagine Based off of the premise, the animals probably had a 100% win ratio, right? I am almost certain, and don't quote me here, that in every episode at the end off camera, every human being was killed by an animal. <laughs> um, and don't, again, don't quote me here. R.I.P. Kobayashi. <laughs> Kobayashi must win the eating contest or he has to fight the bear. Can I just part the veil? Uh, all of this is BS, of course. Um, but I'm looking at the Man vs. Beast Wikipedia entry. Of course, yeah. And all of the competitions, one, two, three, four, five, five competitions are listed in the wiki. I'm not sure if this is comprehensive or just a piece. And all of the people are named, uh, um, athletes are named, except for, and I quote, a group of 44 dwarves lost a race against an Asian elephant. Uh, and... A sumo wrestler lost a tug of war. That you know, the sumo wrestler has a name, and it bothers me that he's not named in the wiki. And whoever is listening to this episode and worked on Man vs. Beast, uh-huh. and I know you're out there, mm-hmm. I need you to edit the wiki. Why would you ever assume that forty-four dwarves could beat the elephant? Yeah, were Every, they everyth- in, everything was else it a makes Trojan sense. horse scenario. Did they have like did they have like like a Volkswagen they were driving? <laughs> it it says here in parentheses um it was a Trojan horse scenario. <laughs> so yeah, it turns out. If anything, I would place the little people at a massive disadvantage in this. 
when, when they, when they all, why are there 44 of them? What difference does that make? Were well, they all operating a giant mechanical elephant and like three of them were in the legs and like four of them, they had yeah, like a, uh, a, a, um, a series sorry. of levers and pulleys that they were working on? It well, so it's of... a, it says a group of 44 dwarfs lost a race against an Asian elephant. Why would see... they win? Well, <laughs> why it, would you it... even think? would win this will exp- it, this explains a lot but it says in parentheses uh, the 44 dwarfs were formed like voltron they had a mecha godzilla situation yeah. going so on. i mean i think that kind of explains everything everything else yeah okay sumo, sumo wrestler wins a, you know tug of war against a gorilla all right sure i can see why you would think that's a challenge everything else what what it was the an hell? orangutan. <laughs> what the hell? It was it was an orangutan who was also not named, and I think this sucks. I'm I am upset, and I need the wiki to be edited you, and updated. One hundred percent. I need this episode that to be edited. Air is because it ended with a fatality, right? <laughs> like there was one thing where like oh, this guy's going to going to race a cheetah in the hurdle contest, and then the cheetah just ripped his face off. It was a zebra, you fool. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, someone did race a zebra. That was Sean Crawford, world-class sprinter. 100-meter mm-hmm. race against a giraffe, and he won, and but he lost to the zebra, which is surprising. Zebras are kind of tubby. Anyway, um, thanks for having me on the show. The, sh- <laughs> the, the show that I chose that my dad truly, genuinely, actually grew up with and loves is the show The Big Valley. And to explain why I chose that show, I have a vivid memory, or maybe a series of vivid memories, of my dad having the time of his life watching Big Valley episodes on our very small kitchen TV. And every time, he's he's having a great time, and every time he puts on Big Valley, my mom simply won't have it. Can't be in the room with it. It's clear that she has endured many hours. And I do I do mean hours, because Big Valley turns out that's prestige TV in 1965. They're so long. Hour-long episodes. They go on forever. So my, my mom absolutely could not be in the room while Big Valley was on. Can't share that interest with my dad. But my dad loves Big Valley. And in spite of that that dynamic and my mom having that big reaction... And my dad having so much fun watching the show, I have never not once sat with my dad to watch the show. And in truth, Marty, Papa, I'm feeling a little guilty about that. And I, I thought, what a terrific opportunity to to correct my my errors, my arrogance. I think I probably turned him down at least once. Instead of watching uh, Big Valley, I probably watched Man vs. Beast. Mm-hmm. So, Is your dad going to listen to this episode? A thousand percent. And I will say, (laughs) I just want to say personally to you, my father, everything I said in the beginning was a joke. Uh, I didn't mean any of it. Uh, (laughs) I don't think you've ever seen or heard of the Osbournes. And I I pulled that out of my hat. It wasn't that funny. So I did choose. So you switch. You flip that on us. Yeah. You flip that on us. Uh, As I have said many times to you, Adam. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to tell when you're doing a bit. You're you're so deadpan. Sometimes it's hard to tell when you're doing a bit or when you're telling me something actually, and it makes it hard to be your friend. I am known as the <laughs> funny joker, is what they refer to me as. You could kind of a funny chaos. I feel like you say. could deliver the news that my family was dead and just ha- maintain the exact same tone throughout the whole thing. Hey, Dan. 
Bad news. Uh-huh. Your family entered into a competition against an orangutan. <laughs> uh, it was a tug of war competition, which, by the way, is dangerous. Yeah. Don't look it up. Uh, don't 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 try to authenticate this claim. Don't look it up. It's dangerous. Anyway, uh, both of your parents of are dead. Were ripped off simultaneously <laughs> with one big tug. Yeah, they were helping forty-four dwarfs form Voltron, <laughs> and uh, it didn't work out. For strangely, only your parents, all forty-four dwarfs, just fine. And it's probably something to do with the fact that they were protected by a mech suit. Yes. Uh, okay. So, so what is the show your, about? Your dad loves this <laughs> you show. You tell us. Adam. Your mom, your mom hates this show. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what the Big Valley is about. The Big Valley is about um, a rich, wealthy ranching family in Stockton uh, in the 1800s, uh, 1844 or 1884 to 1888. Uh, it's about uh, these three or four brothers, depending on how you look at things. Uh, their names are Jared. Uh, Jared and Nick are the main characters. There's one like lawman brother he's he's wears a suit and That's he's Jared. a lawyer reasonable he's, man he's the reasonable straightforward one who goes who wants things for law and then there's nick and nick is the rootin tootin shootin cowboy guy real hothead mm-hmm. yeah and they're joined by a third man uh heath played mm-hmm. by six million dollar man lee majors yeah oh. lee majors that's right yeah. yeah and heath might be their father's their late father's bastard son Mm-hmm. That's what the first episode is about. That's uh, right. They're introduced to Heath, uh, who comes to work for the ranch and then reveals, "I'm the I might be your bastard son." Uh, and they also have a uh, they also have a sister who, as far as I can tell, is there to be hot. Uh, uh, well, and- hold on. Let's just say Audra Audra is the sister, and she is hot. And Audra uh, kicks Heath's butt. You know, sees Heath crouching by uh, their father's tombstone, Thomas Barkley, R.I.P., and um, and really just whips the shit out of him. And I was surprised by her vigor beating a man she had not <laughs> met. I thought they were going to have a twist where it was like, oh, you, and they're tussling around and having fun being flirty. And it wasn't that. She no, she, she really, she truly was just yeah. whooping him. Yeah. Uh, and they are this family is led by... Their matriarch, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, who we've talked about before on this show, oh. as as Victoria Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Barbara yeah. Stanwyck, the, the last time we saw her, she was also tending over a group of young men uh, in the Charlie's Angels episode, Tony's Boys. <laughs> That's right, Adam. Oh, wait, I, actually, I, can we actually, get a show called Tony's Boys? Oh, no, already... no, you can't. Oh. <laughs> you can't. We, we've gone over the myriad reasons. Why you can't? This was the previous oh. episode. Uh, so we 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 did we did two episodes. We watched yes. the first episode that ever existed, and then uh, we kind of we literally Adam and I rolled the dice on this one. We went to uh, tell them why. Tell the audience yeah, why we, we we went to like the the list of worst episodes of the Big Valley, mm-hmm. uh, which is just according to IMDb rating. So it's not like particularly wise, uh, yeah. but Adam. Good got out a d20 a die and he rolled it and he said whatever this lands on we're gonna do that episode and so i sat next to him and we rolled it and it got like a seven he goes okay let's look at the list of number seven and the list of number seven was all women are lying whores okay and <laughs> it, it like it, it it centered around like a false rape accusation yes and we said roll the dice again <laughs> 
Yeah. And so we did. And we got uh, season three, episode 26, which is called The Challenge. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But let's go ahead and talk about season one, episode one, the premiere of the Big Valley, which is called, what is it, Palms of Gold or something like that? With open palms or something? Palms of Glory. I was close. Which palms of Glory. That's I right, have yeah. no idea what the hell that means, but it's You palms. know what's funny? I thought it was supposed to be Psalms of Glory, sure. but it's not that. That would have made sense. Anyway. Psalms, palms, palms of Glory uh, originally aired September 15th, 1965, written by Christopher Knopf, directed by Willem Graham. Uh, and here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. As the railroad brings in gunmen to force the ranchers and farmers off of their land, the Barkley family leads the fight against the railroad, comma, while a mysterious and angry young man arrives, comma, claiming to be the son of the late Tom Barkley. This could have been a two-sentence summary, Wikipedia editor. That's We're right. getting real up on these Wikipedia editors in this episode. <laughs> they need to get their shit together. But yeah, well, it's so, a 60-minute show, so they need to fill time. So yeah. there it is. There's your two plots. Uh, there's, you know, we're talking about land rights forever. Uh, and then also a guy shows up and he's pissed off and he's mad. You, you're this rich family and he's yes. your bastard, your bastard uh, relative. Yes. Um, yes. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about this first episode, Palms of Glory. Uh, I gotta say, the way that this episode opens, rules. <laughs> yes, it does rule. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said it's, that. It's it, this, this episode's very uneven. It's very up and down. How interested in it I am, but this ent- this intro kicks ass. Yeah. So I mean, without without divulging full details, but uh, we'll divulge. Like I well, I'll, I'll just say you know my um, my summary of my experience of watching both episodes. I wasn't sure what to expect. I expected, I suppose, that I would be bored from the show. I just expected that to be the case. I mostly was not bored, but the opening scene of the pilot, the opening scene of the first episode where uh, both men who at this point we do not know the names of enter opposite sides of a narrow bridge, have a conversation about their respective ponies and how their horses cannot back up. They're great horses, but they can't back up. And then they were going to have a shootout and while reaching for their, their pistols, the bridge collapsed. I didn't see that coming, gents. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, the bridge you, does you collapse. Could he- you could hear the bridge creaking through the entire scene. That's correct. Yeah. And and I wondered, is this just how it went in the 60s where you got to you take the footage you can get and maybe it just happens to be creaky. That's really loud creaky, mm-hmm. but neither of the actors, neither character acknowledges the creaking, which is why it caught me off guard that it does collapse in a wide shot and both of the horses and their fellas plunge into a river and then they swim to their respective sides. It was nutty. And I just didn't, I didn't know what to do at that point. There was no editing trickery or, or like special effects wizardry. They put, two horses on a bridge and two guys on those horses. And then they pulled a board away that caused that bridge to collapse into a river. They sure did. Two horses fell into a river with two guys on them. And I am not confident in the safety procedures that were taken. It looks like that could have gone pretty bad because those horses were not happy about that development. I mean, that became Lee Majors thing, right? Like Lee Majors was definitely like a, like a stunt falling off of bridges while wearing or riding on a horse. Yeah. Yeah, 
that was his, that was his, 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 his calling card. Every You're gonna love this guy. They had to work it in that he falls into a bridge on a horse. <laughs> so we got 300 episodes in which Steve Austin is on a horse God. on a bridge. That's the interesting six, stuff. Funny thing, they spent seven million dollars on the horse. <laughs> oh, whoa! Now that's a man versus beast. I would like to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Lee, Lee, Lee Majors was a stunt guy. Like he would go yeah. and he'd do the he'd do the uh, the Tom Cruise thing of putting himself in dangerous situations for no reason. Um, Except so, back then, they didn't really have seven forty seven. They just had horses. <laughs> they had seven forty sevens. No, just in horses. Okay, I'm standing by that. You wanted to do a stunt back then. I, you had to do something related to a horse. Yeah, just, just, especially just so midair. You... If you wanted to be in a plane, it had to be a horse. Had to be a horse. Don't know how that works, but it had to be. Uh, had to be again, several horses Voltron together. That's how you made a plane back then. <laughs> again, from the Tony's boys. Again, from the Tony's boys episode, we've learned that one horse and a rope can beat the shit out of a plane. <laughs> I know how that man versus wow. versus beast ends. I really I... want to see that Tony's boys. Um. So yeah, that's the beginning of the episode. <laughs> that's huh? the beginning. That's then... how we're introduced to this show, and I'm by yeah. at this point. And the and the big valley like theme plays, and I don't remember how it goes, so I'm just gonna do the magnificent seven theme. Bum 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 bum, and I'm like, I'm so on board right now. Like yeah. I'm very on board. Uh, and then the next scene is like a very long discussion of land rights and legal battle on a train, and I'm like, That's I right. am not on board right now. And then it's like, we're gonna do a train versus a horse, and I'm like, I'm on board <laughs> yeah. right now. And hey. then more talking about land rights. And there, I'm yeah. the land rights discussion is so boring just because it is so simple, but these dipshits have to explain it to each other in detail where it's like so the train company is going to use a legal bullshit to steal a bunch of farmers' land. Can they do that? Legally yes. But how? Like mm-hmm. and then they just explain law and land to each other, but then at the end somebody's like, "Oh hell yeah!" and then everybody rushes to the window like <laughs> like schoolboys <laughs> to see a guy try to race a train on a horse. I did like that because I liked seeing Jared and the other fella adding their wagers over time and saying, "I bet you a hundred dollars he's gonna beat this train." No, I'll bet you a hundred fifty. And you have to imagine that the person who was betting against the horse being able to cross the train was betting money on everyone being showered in the blood of a cowboy and a horse. And that's grim. When you think about it, they were excitedly standing where they would have been the first to be hit with the big horse heart and the parts of the man. And he was saying, I'm going to collect me a payday while wiping the gore from his face. And I was just thinking, what a strange outcome you're hoping for, sir. I'll bet you $100 we're about to see a horse get absolutely powdered by a train. (laughs) My God, Jared, I can't wait to taste the blood of this horse and man. Oh, it's going to taste like your money, Jared. It's going (laughs) to taste like your money. (laughs) That blood is going to be not quite as red as the blood we've shed fighting for our land. The Barclays deserve this plot of it was a it's a very dense conversation about things that aren't compelling so and then a man is, races a horse and i feel like that's kind of the um the summary of the whole show right this like is there this are, is the there are non-compelling stakes but also a man races a horse and in both episodes we watched there is a protracted fight scene amongst a lot of not not much 
Um, and I feel like that's the energy the show is packing. This, this is a question mm. I have. Are the Barclays at risk of losing their land? It kind of seems like the Barclays are yeah. fine. It's just other people around them are going to lose their land. Because it kind of seems like the Barclays are Barclays are doing fucking great. They seem Barclays to be doing got, well. Barclays are flush with cash. Mm-hmm. And it made me kind of sit there and go, I don't give a shit if you lose your land or not, man. But it's like, it's like all the people around them are losing shit. Barclays are uh, kind of like the Batman of the Big Valley. <laughs> wow. And yeah. and so and so the, the and so this is how we're our characters are introduced, right? Uh Heath Heath is the like guy Heath is not on the train yet. Heath is he, not on the train. We don't meet yet. Heath. Uh, I think he was the guy racing the train, right? Right, Heath Heath races the train. So but he, so Heath is introduced to Nick where they have a dick measuring contest on the bridge that doesn't work out for any of them. Yeah. Heath is introduced to Jared when Jared sees him racing a train that Jared is on. And Heath mm-hmm. is introduced to Audra when Audra kicks the shit out of him. Yeah. And I like that Heath shows up and he's like, oh, man, I've had such a hard time getting here. I fell into a goddamn river. Then I had to ride it. Like, he's not like, woo, I rode in front of a train today. He was like, <laughs> I had to ride in front of a train. Like, he's talking about merging onto the highway. He's like, I had to fucking <laughs> took like, me. I had to drive. Like, in like there was an accident almost... on 76. Yeah. Yeah. This is cowboy time, Dan. So merge, like r- racing a train is basically putting a cover on your TPS report. This is just tough stuff for a cowboy like him. Um, or maybe not tough stuff. I can't tell. Uh, but yeah, he does have an interesting disposition. He, I found him sweet and affectionate and curious uh, and also a weird guy. Uh, I, I couldn't get a beat on him by the end of the first episode. And I liked him a lot in the next episode we watched which by the way was season three episode 26 so yeah the very last episode also the last episode of season three uh goodness so he he eventually makes his way to the ranch we eventually make our way to the ranch and i have to point this out um nick nick reunites with jared and they go back to the ranch together but on the way there Mm. look guys i i know that this is our thing, right? I know that stuff from the '60s doesn't oh, necessarily no. age no, 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 well. No, no. Don't, just don't say it, no. though. Oh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say it because this dude, this dude, I know that stuff doesn't really age well. But he walks onto the train, sees like a Chinese railroad worker, and goes something like, "Ming, you ugly Oriental." And I go, Mandarin. Jesus Christ, you ugly Mandarin. And I go, Jesus, yeah. yours was worse. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, and I go, Jesus. But then here's the thing. Nick does this th- like two or three more times. He has like three scenes in a row where he walks into a, an area, sees a friendly minority, insults them to their face. He's like, he does this and this scene. The next scene, he's like, Juan, you ugly Mexican. And then he sees their, uh, their major domo, who is a former slave. And you can tell he's going, Benson, you ugly. Ni-. And you can tell that like, mm. maybe he got the N like mm. maybe he, like his, his mouth was forming it. And someone was like, Nope, can't do that one. No. No, it, it's it's his. Did I do that? It's so weird because it comes in rapid succession. It sucks. At, at, it, at, I at, mean, it, the bottom the bottom line is it sucks. And I, I know this is kind of the thing that the two of you navigate time and time again, watching these shows and seeing these things so casually entertaining. That sucks. And it bums me out a, a lot. The characterization, I am sure, is we are seeing that Nick is the, the rough. The scruff, rowdy one. He's, the vulgar yeah. guy, the rowdy, yeah. reckless one. And sure, job done, I 
guess, but I'm it's, sure everybody feels the same way as Nick, whether or not they say it out loud, which this, it's so that weird because there's no other reason for that. The, the Chinese character or the Mexican character to be in the scene. Like they basically, they add nothing. The, the Chinese worker doesn't even have a line. So they're basically just there for that to happen. It's so weird mm-hmm. and so like off putting. And I, I just, it, it sucks. It sucks a lot, especially because like I'm sitting there like I, I want to like these guys and I want to like this show. But man, ooh, that hurts. That one. Well, hurts. Victoria never said one foul word. Yeah. And, and we protect her. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do have to say that that character, um, Silas is the name of the Barclays major domo, uh, mm-hmm. their, their butler who works. In several episodes, this is according to the Wikipedia, in several episodes, his character showed the trauma of slavery, life for blacks after the Civil War, and meaning in his own work for the family. So that character's whole deal is, man, slavery was bad. It's it's really good that I'm not a slave anymore. Instead, I'm just your servant and your butler. This is so mm. much better. And I've got a feeling that that's not handled well. Uh, I'm not going to touch those episodes uh, the actor's name is Napoleon Whiting, uh, possibly Whitting, uh, and uh, I don't know if either of you have seen the movie Giant, but uh, I've I've seen the movie Giant, and he's in that as well with uh, Rock Hudson, Rock Hudson, James Dean, James Dean, James Dean. Okay, yeah. I anticipate at least one scene of him going like, "Listen, you guys can't beat yourself up about this. You weren't there. <laughs> Give, let yourself off the hook." So, so yeah. there it is. We got that unpleasant tree out of the way. We had to address it. But man, it's just it's so weird how it happens one right after the other. It's so bizarre. Uh, it's bad. It's not even sprinkled. But honestly, and after that, though, for the most part, not much. Not that bad. Not, yeah. uh, bearing in mind, of course, that we did need to re-roll the dice because there were many That's episodes true. that looked pretty rough. Pretty so, suspect. Uh, uh, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to Big Valley because I enjoyed watching it. But I bet if we had watched some of these other episodes, like the episode titled The Emperor of Rice, I don't know if we would be espousing their um, uh, their, their courtesy yeah, well, you so, know, so here we are. So we got that out of the way. The rest of the episode is it's basically set up, right? I, I don't even really think we need to run scene by scene for this. He shows up. He starts working at the at the ranch for like ten minutes, uh, and the others are immediately suspicious. Particularly Nick. They have a big fight in the like bunkhouse in the barn. Yeah, in the barn. They have a big fight about it. Um, they have a big fight that goes all over the property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they, a real they live they style live, fight. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. yeah, they're just uh, trading single punches for like twelve minutes. It's a pretty good fight for a TV fight. Like, yeah, for a TV. I, I mean, they're they are flipping backwards over stuff. They're crashing through things. It really looked like they tussled, and you know, I, I'm not saying that it was well choreographed, but. Not a lot of cuts. They're just swinging. <laughs> and that's pretty interesting to watch. You know, it's, it's the kind of TV fight I like where both guys mostly just use the same arm and take turns punching each other. <laughs> where it's just left hook, left hook, left hook, left I'll, hook. Yeah. I'll say this. Uh, between this fight and the late the shootout that happens later that Adam talked about a little bit. Uh, one thing I like about the action on the Big Valley is it's very raw. It's yeah. not polished. The big shootout that they have 
really looks like what I would imagine an actual West shootout to look like. Because it's just like a bunch of guys and horses just kind of <laughs> shuffling around trying not to get shot. Nothing's fancy. No one's blowing anybody's head off. Like, there's no cool things happening. It's just chaos. And everyone's just kind of looking around wildly, just shooting. Ah! There! 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 And it's I, like a gunpowder like hoot nanny. I it like is a, a gunpowder hoot nanny is a band that I would love to listen to. What what, what was the name of their hit song? Uh, their hit song was um, Cracker the Creek. I was gonna say I was gonna say Cracker Barrel. Jack Daniels at the Cracker Barrel. Yeah, so much better. <laughs> Jack Daniels at the Cracker yeah, Barrel. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember Jack Daniels at the Cracker Barrel by. Um, that gun, band, gunpowder uh, gun hoot nanny. No, nanny. dude, gun gunpowder hoot nanny is probably like one of those punk folk bands, like Devil Makes Three. That is oh, like that's like yeah. really interesting the first time, and then you're like, all right, I'm sick of this shtick. Like yeah. the Black Angels. I like the Black Angels for three minutes, I've, and then after that, it's like, okay, this is this it? I've seen uh, I've seen the Devil Makes Three in concert three times. Oh, well, you should see the Devil Makes Four go uh, one more time. Um, the that gunfight I do love, and it includes my most favorite trope in any western, which is man falling off of roof. Um, it, you cannot have a gunfight in the Wild West if you don't have a guy tumble off the roof. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got up there. I don't know what he thought the plan was. <laughs> yeah, like, he wasn't taking cover at any point in time, but he really did tumble off the roof, I, didn't he? Does, I, there's question. always like every guy that does this where he's like, I'm going to climb up on this balcony with a pistol <laughs> and this is going to go great for me. Question. I see no potential issues. Question. Does guy falling out of barn count? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. It has to be like a high location. Yeah. yeah. Just got to be a high location, you know, because they hired the actor to get that shot and uh, he he got it. And I love he that. did his job. Yeah. We're going to, w- I want to rank these really fast because the best version of it is guy goes through railing after being shot. Thousand percent. Second mm-hmm. one, guy goes over railing after being shot. Okay. okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. as good. Sure, sure. Then it's guy mm-hmm. falls off roof. And then guy falls out of barn. <laughs> I think that's where all do we of them, place? Right? Where do we place? Uh, guy falls from a uh, height and lands on top of a car. Because that's a that's one too. I'll tell you what. Car, really would have surprised car ranks me. Ranks higher than dumpster, right? Yes. Guy falls yeah, yeah, into yeah. A car, yeah, car, car is ranks higher, higher than dumpster, uh, but yeah. not as high as onto a moving bus or train. Ooh, ooh, what's Those are but you survive if you do that. You, do, you to, live if you do that, sure. To go back to Wild West, what about guy falls off and lands in water barrel? Oh, classic. Oh, classic. Boots, boots in the sky? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so definitely. going going down a floor from second floor to first floor, window. Out the window. Where, where do we count the classic, right? That's yeah. gonna, that's gotta be that's gonna be number one. Is this shot guy goes through a window or guy gets thrown out? Guy gets defenestrated. I think guy guy gets thrown out a window. Also, yeah, someone used their phone. This is one of those rare times when guy gets thrown is better than guy gets shot. Because if he's if he is properly defenestrated and tossed through the window, you can't beat that. No, it's... if he is tossed through a window from a height and lands on an Acura, now that's <laughs> what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Guy falls off balcony through guardrail, goes through window, lands in water barrel, water barrel, barrel rolls onto a moving Acura. And what I've learned is if you go through all of those steps, it takes you to a new stage in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know about the time that Charles Barkley threw a guy out a window? 
No, what? Char- hold on. There's a fourth Barkley brother? <laughs> There's a fourth Barkley brother. <laughs> Charles Barkley. Goddamn. Good, good one. Yeah. Charles, Char- <laughs> Sir, Sir Charles, Sir Charles Barkley. No, this, this is a true story. Uh, Charles Barkley threw a guy out a club window uh, in, I think, Atlanta. Um, yeah. He was in the club, and there was this dude who was, by the way, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to be on Charles' side in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. There was a dude at the club who was, like, harassing and groping women, mm-hmm. and the security crew wasn't doing anything about it. So Charles quite literally took matters into his own hands and grabs the guy by the neck and throws him out the window. And at his and at his arraignment hearing, and I swear this is true, uh, the judge asks Sir Charles if he has any regrets, and Sir Charles, in his Charles Barkley voice, goes, "I regret that we were on the first floor." (laughs) I'm glad that he said it in his Charles Barkley voice, and that is Mickey Mouse impression. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I wait until we find out what Charles Barkley is going to do to Nick when he learns what Nick said to Silas, for Christ's sake. I would love <laughs> to see this. Fuck him up. I'd love to see this. I would love to see him throw Nick from the second floor through a window, crash through a, f- what were the other things we said? Through um, a fence. Water barrel, Acura, moving four truck, Four windows, dumpster. stained glass window. Oh, stained glass window is a big Stained glass one. window big is always one. good. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, skylight window. Oh, oh yeah. So a guy falls window. into the skylight. Or like a greenhouse yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Always good. Yeah. Oh, Always the more great. glass, the better. And there's a, a car with a moonroof parked in the greenhouse. So he goes, shatters through the roof. Are we, the are, are, we are we John wooing it? Is there a bunch of doves? Like, do how, how many birds are disturbed by this? Yeah, the doves were inside of the car and they were all killed. <laughs> they were on their way to the wedding. <laughs> Love and... it when a guy gets shot in the hip, falls off a roof, and then goes into a Rube Goldberg machine. And at the very end, it makes breakfast for Pee Wee Herman. The aristocrat. Every morning, Pee Wee Herman wakes up, shoots a cowboy off a roof. It's Cowboy Curtis. Shoots Cowboy Curtis. I, I, that, that does make sense. And I want to agree with you because that makes sense. But I, I simply will not have it. Yeah. You can't, you can't shoot Cowboy Don't Curtis. Don't make people imagine Cowboy Curtis getting shot. No, like no, in the no. Good, the bad, the ugly. Surely no. What the fuck are we doing here? Okay. Uh, multi- okay can we so, just skip to the next episode? Yeah, we, we can. Honestly, I think we can because we've, we've covered all the highlights here, right? This, this is episode is just set up. Now you know yeah. the deal. You know I, who the Barclays are. You know Heath's whole deal. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, hang on. There's one scene I gotta talk about, and that mm-hmm. is the scene where uh, Audra tries to have sex with her brother. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't sure if I, you were talking about how like not flirty their relationship was, and I was like, did I grossly misinterpret that scene? There is there is a scene where Audra rides her way into town, uh, mm-hmm. and she is, and like some drunk guys go to. Uh, Jump drunk guys go to grow her. They went to and, assault like, her. They go yeah. to assault her. And then uh, Heath Barkley, question mark, pulls a Charles Barkley, exclamation point, mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> kicks their ass. And drag. And they go back to his like hotel room where he's staying. And uh, she comes onto him real hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I didn't like how the lawman appeared and said to Audra, 
Uh, I'm not going to hear your side of the story. You are going to tell your family, and then I will hear it from your family. I didn't care for uh, that. No, yeah. um, that was that was not good. Didn't like that. Wish he'd um, gotten shot. I'm. <laughs> I wish he was thrown through a second floor window, <laughs> smashed through a, a fence, and it was the electric fence that holds the T Rex and the T Rex from Jurassic Park. And the fence was not on, so he's not electrocuted. And guys, stop me. I fell no. asleep at the end of the episode. Uh, when I was watching the episode, it was quite late at night. Yeah. And this is very much the the preamble for the entire series. It is a little confusing because I know the pilot needs to sell people on the concept. And I guess they didn't need to sell much. They just, you know, they had... Now, they, now they, I know... This show has I, an I impressive budget. Are. So, like, yeah. the, the money was just going to do what it the money do. And uh, while I was watching the episode, I, I fell asleep. All right, so, so I'll, 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 I'll run this through this. Okay, Audra does try to seduce Heath uh, to be like, well, to test him, basically. He's like, she's like, well, if we're brother and sister, would we do this? And it's 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 got a it's got a very like Riley Reed like oh we can't do this so you're my stepfather kind of vibe to it. Uh, Is Riley Reed one of the Barclays? <laughs> yes, I thought it was a weird casting choice. Can you imagine a Pornhub video and the title is "My bastard brother just appeared in town and he was desecrating our father's grave." That is plus cum shot. <laughs> yeah. My bastard brother has ridden to, has come to town disguised as a ranch hand. Uh oh, I'm trapped in the dryer. <laughs> I kicked the shit out of my brother before I got to know who he was. <laughs> the thing I like so the entire thrust of the episode is them going like uh like all the farmers are like, we need to use violence to protect our land and yes. uh the Barclays being like, You can't do that. No, no, we'll one go. Barkley. Jared Barkley. Jared, like, Jared. He's being like, man. you can't do that. Uh, like, it, it's way. against the law and it won't go well. And then the end is just all the farmers going like, we resisted with violence and it was awesome. <laughs> that ruled and worked so good. Yeah, uh, yeah, eventually they do resist with violence. Even Jared goes along with it. Jared gets shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. by the way, there there is another Barkley brother whose name is Eugene. There's like a third Barkley brother. The he's like he's, he's like the young kid and he's the intellectual and he's like a poet and he really thinks about stuff and eight episodes into the series they said Eugene joined the army and never talked about him again. <laughs> Whoa. He's gone. Oh, like, wow. They, they, they that brother would have been the prototype for the have you seen the movie Power of the Dog? Uh, yeah, he, he would have been, uh, been that. Yeah, dog. he would have been the power. Of, I I know what point you're making there. It's a great film. Yeah. So they uh they they do this so that guy you don't need to worry about him he basically just doesn't do i forgot he existed in this episode uh and they you've also him. yeah and so they, they cut him out because you've already got too many guys um and we haven't really talked about victoria and i think we'll talk about victoria more in this next episode next episode so let's talk about this next episode which is mostly victoria yeah. Uh, yeah. in fact in fact audra isn't in this episode at all is she no not okay at all. so we'll we'll forget about audra so now it's season she three. also joined the army. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, they, they, they just say that she's in New York for this episode. So here Oh, yeah, go. that's right. They do. Here we go. Season three, episode 26. The challenge airs March 18th, 1968. Uh, written by Virgil W. Vogel. Great name. Directed by Mark. No, hang on. Sorry. I'm sorry. Directed by Virgil Vogel. Yeah, it was written uh, by a woman. Written by a woman. Written by Margaret Armen. That's right. 
And here is your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. A senator comes to Stockton to campaign for re-election, but finds himself the target of a smear campaign that pulls Victoria in as well. All right, so let's do consensus on this episode. It's pretty good. Yeah. I loved it. This episode, I, lo- like, I loved it. I, first episode, I was up and down on. First episode, mm-hmm. I was like, eh, I don't know. But by the end, I was like, I get the premise of this, and I'm interested in what this, so I'll stick around for a little bit. This episode is like they they're running pretty well on this. It's still it's still too much talking. It still should not be an hour long. Uh, are you are you fellas looking at the IMDb by chance? I can. Uh, I am. Um, do you want to drop a bomb about uh, a a secret cast member in this episode? For the for this exact episode? No, go for it. Yeah. Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin. Yeah, he plays a nameless reporter. Uh, that, by the way, is is one of the things that the Big Valley, I guess, was known for. It, one of the things in the like Wikipedia is they've got an entire section of guest stars, and it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight columns long. Hell uh, and, uh, and I recognize some of these names from from the Andy Griffith Show, like R. G. Armstrong. I recognize mm. and Ron Howard, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, but also other names on here, like like Mako. Appears Mako appears in, in, in here. Richard Dreyfus is on here. Bruce Dern, uh, John Carradine, of course. Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, wow. Regis Philbin is on this list. Uh, Carl Swenson is on here. Adam West is in is on this list. Charles uh, Barkley. Charles Barkley appears. Uh, so pretty much, and Yafet Kodo is in this is on this list. Diane oh. Ladd. Mark Lo Coon from. Uh, this from the Jedi from the Star Wars. Low pan Superman, every single Power Ranger uh wow. appears oh, on here. Man. <laughs> uh, As one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Voltron. They Voltron. Okay, that's fair. Uh anyway, uh this so, episode was great. I, I thought it was a great episode. And even when I thought it was going one way, actually the entire time I thought it was going one way. And the episode managed to surprise me. So I can honestly say I did not know what was going to happen at any point in time. And I was bought in the entire time. And the ending, for me, was a bit of a thinker. I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but it felt like it was truly making a statement about the the character of both sides when it comes to a political For campaign. sure. For, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, but before we go into that, I'm going to say one more name from this list. Uh, Robert Loggia. Hell Robert, yeah. Robert Loggia hey. appears, which means the second time that Robert Loggia and Barbara Stanwyck appeared uh, on a show together on, that we covered. So, again, back oh, to Tony's oh, Boys. This is Robert Loggia is also on, in Tony's Boys. You got to go um, watch Tony's Boys. You got to watch the, Tony's the, Boys. In the, th- in the third column, uh, it says Takiro Kobayashi, um, professional <laughs> eater. He came on to do an eating contest against a bear. Against, it was a very weird B, B plot of the against episode. Senator Bannard. That's weird. I guess that's how they elected people back then. So, so this episode, uh, a, a senator comes to town. Uh, he's already a senator, and he is he a U.S. senator or like California state senator? It doesn't really matter. But I just want. I think to know. California state. He's like he's like mm-hmm. a California state senator, and he's campaigning, and he comes to Stockton, uh, and it's revealed that he and Victoria, the matriarch of the show. They were, uh, they're flirty. They were. They used to have a thing. They used to have a thing before before she got married, uh, and they're still like kind of into each other. It's pretty clear to literally everybody within a five mile radius. Like, oh, they, they these two want a bone. 
they they sit down to dinner and the the senator who's in a heated uh, re-election race rapidly reveals himself to be a fucking psychopath now, <laughs> yeah. in a way like he's just kind of like well i'm just a humble country psychopath <laughs> i have trouble controlling my violent impulses if 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 this was made today you would not know a, like what a psychopath the senator is until like 45 minutes in he would just be yeah. very charming very personable he'd be like and then like the last 45 minutes he'd just be like Oh man, that's terrible! Snap someone's neck. Yeah, and, yeah. Like that's how it would go today. In this episode, he's just like, "Hello, here's my deal. People like me, but also I'm fucking nuts." Yeah. <laughs> he has a li- he has a bit of Gary Busey energy where he is, it, and this is interesting to me and something that I did enjoy, which is he seems to be aware of his psychopathy. And yet still indulges in it. Mm-hmm. I think during his dinner with Victoria, he claims that he has gotten his anger in check. And moments after that, maybe a full minute, kicks the shit out of a drunk man. <laughs> and I I just, I mean, I found it comedic <laughs> that both of these things, that the line of dialogue where he's like, hey, look, I got my anger in check. And then he really unleashes on a guy you know those things happening back to back i was convinced the episode was building him up to be untrustworthy uncouth um obviously this was not a reference then but to to my eyes trumpian indulging indulgent and angry and and flying off the handle where the other candidate uh, judge daggett seemed to be the the intellectual guy even though he had a lot of strange stances as well are we supposed to, in in the show's view, am I supposed to like uh, the senator? This is my question as well. Yeah, I I it's don't unclear. know. I, I, it feels like it's pretty on the senator's side, and the senator has like a really weird way of framing his because all of his faults, he comes out and he tells you like, but it's yeah. always like, well, you know me, I have my I have my one fault, I have anger issues, and it's like you know me. I have my one fault. I'm very impulsive and make rash decisions. Or you know me, I have my one fault. I'm very stubborn. Or you know me, I like to commit manslaughter a lot. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he like, does. He very much does threaten to murder and then invite to murder yeah. his his opposing candidate. And it seems to me like the the actions, the dialogue, the blocking of this episode is leading me to think that I don't like. Uh, Bannard, the Senator Bannard. Right. However, but- Victoria likes him and the Barclays like him. And the Barclays frequently reference that they are not in the same party with Judge Daggett, mm-hmm. which leads me to think, well, I mean, the, I mean, but we like the Barclays, so it's, we have to be with the Barclays. It's the same think- question that we have with Andy Griffith all the time, which is whose side am I supposed to be on with this show? Uh, you know, yeah. and, and I, I Adam think- makes a good point, like, well, the protagonists are on this side, so I guess the show wants me to be on their side. Maybe. Yeah. I I think I have the definitive answer to this. Uh, and I think there, it's all just one scene where they show a prolonged scene of him being nice to a horse. And I'm pretty sure that this is oh. this show's go-to whenever they, like, want to give a thumbs up to a guy where they're just like, oh, oh, hey there, Shadow. Oh, you, you're such a big, strong horse. Here, let me give you an apple. And it's like, thumbs up. This guy's great. 
Yeah, that's a good point, Dan. Although when he's speaking sweetly to his horse, he then hops on his horse and he's like, let's go murder Judge Daggett. <laughs> yes. And so that's confusing, too, because he is being a real sweetie to his his pony. Uh, but then they ride together like the wind to, to kill a man. Meditated slaughter. All right, hang on. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's give them reference here. So there's so much plot to this episode. This episode there's is actually... Lot. This actually, this episode actually can earned I, do, the hour. Would you mind? Can I swing at this? Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, Senator Bannard arrives in town. He is warmly received by the Barclays, but he's getting the cold shoulder from his opposing candidate, Judge Daggett, who seems to be a, kind of a skinny, kind of untrustworthy intellectual type who cares a lot about money, and you could read into that if you want to. Senator Bannard used to have a relationship with uh, Victoria. This is a Victoria vehicle. This entire episode seems to be about Victoria, her past, how awesome she looks in leather, and we're going to get back they, to that leather jacket in a second. I oh, got some right. thoughts on that jacket. Leather jacket. And uh, we see that Bannard is talking about his past, how things are good. He's happily married. He's doing well. He's figured out how to be a successful politician. And yet he still falls into the trap of being indulgent in his habits, his bad habits, including when a drunk man wanders through a restaurant and accidentally spills something or other in Victoria's lap. And Bannard's response is to punch him really hard several times. And Victoria calms him down. And then he says, oh, gosh, my bad. I'm so sorry. I have one flaw, and it's that I do extreme violence. <laughs> and then during the nighttime, Victoria gets a knock on the door. I guess they live in a hotel. What's this? She's, is this Shit's she, Creek? She's staying in the hotel. Like, she came into town to see him, and then she's like, okay. well, I might as well crash at the hotel. Yeah, she gets a rap at the door, and, and some nameless man says, here's a note. And we don't know the contents of the note, but it leads her to go to Senator Bannert's room. And we learned that the note was forged and it was to set up this situation where both of them were in the same hotel room at 3 a.m. And surprise, they get TMZ'd and someone takes Which... a daguerreotype from a ladder in a window. And then he is defenestrated through the window <laughs> through 14 panes of glass. And he falls through the second floor moon roof of an Acura. And... <laughs> Um, it's clear that there is a plot against Bannard. And what is obvious at this point is it must be Judge Daggett. Pause. Who clearly dislikes Bannard. Pause. So, Time yeah, out. Let's digest out. part we're, A. We, we, we've gotten through, like, now, now we're at the first commercial break. That's right. Can I just say how fucking funny it is for someone to be surprise attacked with a photograph <laughs> in the 1800s? Like, I think surprise! Poof! And like, yeah. and like dust appears and like, it was like, ah, oh, God damn, I can't see. For it's a one of those cameras where he's like surprised and he's supposed to catch them in the act. But because of the camera, they have to stay there for 14 minutes yeah. while the camera develops. It's like, it's like someone was surprised and then painted him. <laughs> it's so weird. Cause like, cause like they, they have a very long conversation, uh, where Victoria comes to the room and is like, Hey, I got your note. Is everything okay? And, uh, Daggett's like, I didn't write you a note. And that should have been the end of the Bannard, conversation. Bannard says I didn't write a Bannard note. Bannard says I didn't write a note. Uh, and that should have been the end of the conversation. But they have to sit there and talk for a couple of minutes. Like, oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should probably get out for your safety. Well, I'm going to be fine. And they have to do that because somewhere in the doorframe, a guy is like, God damn it, this, this easel won't get, this leg won't come <laughs> out of the hatch. Uh, 
Hold on. Okay, let me focus this in. And uh, okay, I'm ready. Surprise. <laughs> he's climbing. Yeah, he, he's climbing a ladder outside of the window with all of his gear. And if he fucks this up, he's going to fall down that ladder and smash all of his gear, which I'm sure costs a lot of money. That's his whole livelihood. And this whole plan falls to shit. And all that scene would just be Victoria consoling Senator Bannard and from out of the room, fuck. <laughs> and, and that would have been the whole thing. And um, that's not what happened. But they do get a photo taken of he, them touching. He also, exactly. He has to wait for like the ex- the only moment where they make physical contact. Which that's is right. what... like He's just kind of like helping her up. Like She's like, all right, help me out of bed. And she, he like grabs her arm. And then he's like, ha, you, you're touching. Ha, ha, click. And then Bannard, Bannard receives uh, the photo with beautiful handwriting. Yeah. And it says, withdraw from the race. Yeah. So they send they send him a threat. It's a it's a threatening letter, and it's like, guess what? We're gonna reveal this this thing. The, the yeah, the handwritten note says, "Do you like me?" <laughs> um, and then it says, "Y or N." <laughs> yeah, that was cute. Uh, so, so that's where we are. I guess that's about the halfway point. That's of the and show. so that's the the mark. Uh, it's the setup, right? And so Victoria has to wonder how to do this now. Uh, so Victoria and uh banning and the boys heath and jared and nick tony's boys yeah tony's boys yeah. uh the boys heath and jared and nick they got to sit there and be like what are the, what are we gonna do jared doesn't do much in this episode except wear no. a lot of eyeliner i noticed yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's, he he's very of... clearly wearing eyeliner right if, is his whole role in the show to just be like, listen, let's sit and wait and see how this whole thing sorts out? Is he just like the breaks of the show of like, everybody's got to calm down? I was thinking about these characters, the Barkley brothers in archetypes from comic books. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, Jared felt like uh, a very neutral observer, you know, someone who just wanted to let the law work in the way that it needs to. He's not particularly heroic, but he is very smart. I was trying to think of who he is. He's foggy Nelson? Maybe he's a Foggy Nelson Or like, type. or, or, or Anuatu? Like... I was about to the say, watcher. Adam, is there any sort of comic book character that passively watches events <laughs> and has some sort of doctrine against interference? Oh, the man thing. That's right. So Jared Barkley is the macabre man thing, and he belo- b- believes in law and order. Yeah. So at this point... Um, but, but the reason why I brought this up is Nick really flies off the handle, and he feels a little more rowdy, like a, a Hawkeye type, or maybe an Iron Man, a Tony Stark. Whereas Heath, to me, felt very Captain America. I like the dynamic. I really enjoy the dynamic between Heath and Nick. They're, they're and when Nick now. says he's going to get on his horse and dig up the photos in, in judge Daggett's office. And, uh, I think Nick's line was, uh, why, you know, why don't you just stay here? And Heath says, what makes you think I was going to go with you? And Nick's response, because you don't trust me. That's why. And then he's like, yeah, dang it. You got me. Let's ride. And I just love that. I thought that was great. Did anyone else half expect Nick to get machine gunned to death at a toll booth? Uh, like in the Godfather, does was he? He was giving me real like that Look energy. What you did to my boy? <laughs> they yeah, real. They massacred my boy energy. Well, a part part of the reason why it felt like that is that like let's let's get back to that fucking bitchin' leather jacket that Barbara Stanwyck's wearing 
She yes. looks cool as fuck in it, but also she does. She looks very much like she went to a Western store in 1964. <laughs> yes, she's wearing the same jacket as Olivia Newton-John at the end of Grease. Like, yeah, everybody in here just looks like they went to a country Western store. They all look like they came from a Cracker Barrel. They they came from a Cracker Barrel hoot nanny. Uh, the yeah. the costume design on this is. I'm being real nitpicky about the production here, but the costume design is very like it's 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 annoying. It takes me out of it because I sit there and mm. go, "You are very clearly wearing 1960s gear." Like this is ridiculous. I had to sit there it, for a second. Uh, Sarah walked in and asked me, "What year is this? Like when does yeah. this take place?" If a 60 year old woman went outside in that leather cowboy suit in Texas, she would be mummified instantly that would be oh fatality that is very funny but um i'm gonna call ageism uh victoria is timeless Mm -hmm. and uh i think she was born wearing that outfit quite frankly (laughs) also and i'm i'm loving all of her activities and uh the this this episode was very interesting because i kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and i i thought what was going to be the case is this was my expectation i thought we would learn that a bannered was actually behind all of this and was basically trying to frame Daggett mm-hmm. by making it look like Daggett was playing dirty or something. I just was convinced that yeah. that was the case. And ultimately, we learned that both of these guys are real uh, D-holes. Yeah. And that's uh, that. Listen, I'm going to kind of... I'm going to do a defense of Daggett here. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, Daggett is behind the whole scheme, which is yes. kind of... It's the one weakness of the whole thing where, yeah, Daggett... They, they're like it's on the nose yeah it's it's very on the nose um but whatever so daggett commissioned these illicit photographs to discredit his opponent because the senator's probably going to win the senator's a fucking lunatic yeah, as yeah. he's proven <laughs> yeah. over the course of this episode and also uh the senator is pushing for an irrigation system that he maintains is not very well thought out and will go over budget and bankrupt the state which like I would have to read the text of the bill, but based off of uh, this guy's behavior, I am going to guess that he is not the best number cruncher. Uh, <laughs> so I would be a little dodgy about his accounting. So Daggett uh-huh. does what he has to do, which is play sketchy politics yeah, to get sure. this guy out of the race. You have to take him out of the race because he's too much of a risk for this this wonderful town. He's he's a fucking lunatic so, who has managed to cowboy charm his way into a Senate seat where undoubtedly he's going in and being like, like just going into the state Senate and be like, we should go to war with France. Let's do it. They yeah, gave us I, a dirty look. Let's fuck them up. They look at us just remember, remember... <laughs> <laughs> just just let's all appreciate that the day this candidate arrived in town the very same day he kicked the shit out of a drunk i shouldn't say that out of a man struggling yeah. a man yeah. who is a little intoxicated like a, yeah not a, even like a, a drunk very apologetic man who was yeah. like he was grabbing uh he was grabbing the lady's arm 
inappropriately, but he was like, I am so sorry. Let me, let me make it up to you. I'm so sorry. And the Senator was like, you piece of shit. And then clocked him. He was doing that great. He, yeah, he really went Hellraiser on him, which was weird. He flayed his skin off. And I was like, Whoa, it's a lot. I I, want to get to something about this. I'm going to skip ahead to the part where, uh, no, we're trying to do this in sequence slowly. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of talking. There's so much talking. There's a lot of talking. There is a lot of dialogue. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to the part uh, where the action kind of kicks back in, and that is where Banning goes and confronts Daggett. Bannard. Bannard. Bannard goes and confronts Daggett and basically says, look, motherfucker, I know that you were behind this. I don't know how I'm going to prove it, but I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm going to kill you now. Like, he just goes yeah. and straight up yeah. says, like, hey, man, I'm going to kill you. That's not a figure of speech. I'm going to kill you. We're going to have you a- sick asshole judge daggett you want compromising photos of me then subscribe to my only fans <laughs> like everybody else like he comes in and it says like we're gonna have a duel and daggett's like nah dude come on i'm not gonna fucking duel you and he's like all yeah. right you can duel me or i can drag your ass out in the street and murder you yeah. and daggett's like uh okay and i'm at home going i don't think this man should be a senator <laughs> yeah, and that's just it. I feel like this is, guy shouldn't be a senator. Da- Daggett is repeatedly saying, you want to solve everything with violence. And I was assuming the show was condemning that notion. Is I'm assuming that they're using Daggett as a vehicle to say, we need to be more civilized than this. And I was astounded to learn that Daggett was playing dirty, which I guess, you know, neither here nor there. It's politics. You've got to do what you've got to do. But the show is clearly condemning Daggett for his behavior. And Daggett is ultimately thrown from a carriage and killed. And then Bannard says, well, we don't need to let the authorities get into this. Again, being egregious. And everything works out in favor for Bannard and the Barclays. And so to me, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it left me with the feeling of this show was very high intellect suddenly where it's a, you, you don't have favorites when it comes to the two party system there. It's both bad, my friend. And it really just comes down to who you have any social ties to. It, it, it's also, it. it's also very succession. Like it feels like a precursor to something like yeah. succession where it's just like, yeah. Hey, just cause they, the protagonist don't make him the good guys. Uh, yeah, or Game is, of Thrones, right? This gray morality, which is something interesting. Uh, you, you you skipped a couple of steps there, Adam. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk us through this. And Dan, I feel like you got something here, but I'm gonna walk us through what happens there. So uh, Daggett and and Bannard do like meet up at the edge of town or out in the woods, uh, but they don't have a duel. Daggett's just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gone. You're never getting these these pictures from me. And they have a fight, and they have a fight on top of a carriage. Daggett is thrown from the carriage. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Victoria is there. Victoria witnesses the whole thing. I think she looking fine. Yeah, looking fine as hell in that jacket. Uh, and she witnesses it. I think she came out to try to stop it, uh, yeah. but she witnesses it, and she sees that Daggett, after being thrown from the carriage, is dead. And for some reason, Banning is like. Oh man, it's really bad that Bannard. this guy that I was going to murder is dead. I, I'm very confused at, at his response here. Like, what was he gonna do? Because his plan was to kill this guy, but mm-hmm. when the guy and, is actually dead, he's like, "Oh no!" And and he's like, "Okay, so the way it's it's solved is basically if we can prove that Daggett was blackmailing you, 
it's justified. Then they'll believe her testimony that this was accidental and everything's fine. Yeah. And to which I would say under the even under the best of circumstances, this was premeditated assault followed by followed by involuntary manslaughter. So like. And yeah. let's let's remember here. Jared this is a lawyer. Like they yeah, they yeah. say it very often. Jared is a lawyer. And right. They a, go back and report all of these events to Jared, and his head twists around and, uh, 360 <laughs> degrees like the Exorcist. And you would think at this point you would call the fucking lawyer that is your son, but no. Jared doesn't do dick. Jared doesn't yeah. show up until the last scene. Like, well, mm-hmm. at this point, Jared's just like, you motherfuckers aren't going to listen to me anyway. That's true. So That's I'm true. just going to go get drunk. <laughs> like, fuck all you guys. Have mm-hmm. fun solving it with with cowboy know-how. I'll be over here knowing the fucking law. So, I mean, let's, 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 break, let's break down the case here, which is, okay, so you went, you, you met your opponent out in the woods alone at the edge of town, like, by yourself. Yeah. Why were you there in the first place? Okay, now why was he in the carriage? Okay, now why was he standing up in the carriage? Okay, now what? <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have it. I'm, let me interject. This is going to sound like a joke, but, but cowboy law, right? Like cowboy, <laughs> cowboy rules. And you know, the, this, this is a cowboy show. We do cowboy things. So I feel like. It's just not. It doesn't carry the weight or the stakes but I, that it would I feel, I, in any other. I context. feel like I feel like the whole thing. I feel like the whole reason for this show, the whole like reason you have Jared the, as a character, is right. because it's it's the man who shot Liberty Valance, right? It's the death of the old West. It's those ways right. are going away, and now there's a more civilized time. The West is becoming tame. So that's but, that's where the conflict arises between Nick and Jared as brothers, and that's like the main theme of this. So you have to figure there is some sense of law, semblance of law in here. Sure. But, but then in this episode, the dying old West rises from the grave in a Camaro and is like, I'll never die. I win. <laughs> Cowboy justice forever. Woo. Right. And then we have one loose thread and Victoria rides to a different town to beat up a photographer. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, power to her. This man, you know, uh, took a photograph of her without her consent and she looks fine. And uh, it's great. And I, I love that. I, I want to be clear here. She beats the shit out of this guy. She yeah. really does. She scratches his face up to where he's bleeding all the way down. <laughs> she throws uh like, Photo developer fluid in his face, in his eyes. Uh, does she, be, she? In her defense, he is trying to strangle her to death with a length of rope the entire right. time. It is right. just doing a beat down. It is a gnarly fight. Like, yeah, she, no, she basically comes in and is like, "Hey, you confess to the conspiracy that you have been in on," and he goes, "No," and he tries to run away, and then they have a very long fight. And she... Did, do you guys ever watch uh, professional wrestling? Did you ever watch? Yeah, pro sure. Wrestling? I watched. Yeah, I she went in. She went in there and climbed a turnbuckle and set up and did a swanton bomb. Yeah, she just demolished. She, the guy. she, 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 she takes the she, pads off and throws them into the audience. She did. Yeah, the, she she looked the right at the camera elbow. and did the people's eyebrow. <laughs> 
Uh huh. Right. Uh huh. She gave him a stunner. She gave him the pedigree. She did the Rikishi move. She did all of I the finishers. I thought the suck it every... motion was a little <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, she did. She did suck it. If you ain't down with that, she said, "My name is the R to the O to the A to the D, the D to the O to the double G, the Road Dog Jesse James." She identified herself as a different person. It was confusing, <laughs> but she was. It was pure bloodlust, and I liked watching her beat that guy down. And I also liked the stylization of the fight. When when they were in the development, that looked room. cool as shit. Yeah, that's yeah, so cool. Very at, cool. At, at one point in time, they break from the Technicolor world. They go into the developing room, so there's like a red cellophane film over everything, which made the fight look even more brutal. Uh, yeah, it was it. This episode it was, fucking it was rocks. Like the fight from Kill Bill, where it goes through different cinematic styles, but it's just one old lady beating the shit out of a tubby guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, this episode rocks and I have to say it's strange to me that I chose this randomly from a list of the worst purported episodes of Big Valley because if this is one of the worst uh, I mean bring it on I want to see more Big Valley and and to be clear like the worst here just means it has one of the lower IMDB ratings and even then it's like okay that's the metric yeah that's that's the metric that that particular site uses that we were we were on uh, you oh, know, okay. I'm going to estimate. I'm going to guess that the the reason it's ranked the lowest is probably why we like it because I feel like the people that are ranking these things are like more land discussions. <laughs> I want to see the deeds. You're not talking about railroads enough. <laughs> okay, back to yeah. the railroads. The, the most the most popular episode of Big Valley is just a ZBA meeting. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the list of the worst episodes of Big Valley, and tell me you don't want to see season three, episode fourteen, titled "Journey into Violence." I Hell 100% yes. want to watch Journey into Violence. Hell yes, especially because I know that this show fucking means it. Yeah, this show. T- means tell it. me you don't want to watch season three, episode twenty-four, "Devil's Masquerade." Or season two, episode nine, or I'm sorry, season four, episode 16, The 25 Graves of Midas. Fuck, that's that good. Come on. I'm going to piss what hell. Fuck? All right, all right, all right. So this, this is a good opportunity for us to turn this. Adam, your dad loves this show. Your mom hates this yeah. show. On a, on a scale of Mr. Tetris to Mrs. Tetris, like, yeah. where, where are you falling on this? Oh, it's a Mr. Tetris out of 10, Buster. <laughs> I found myself really enjoying my time. I was excited that my fiance was going to come home and and walk in on me watching a cowboy drama from the 60s. I've always dreamt of being my dad and it's happening in reality. <laughs> and I look, I think I really do have a, a, a regret that I didn't access this show with my dad earlier because maybe I just wasn't mature enough or wouldn't appreciate it enough but I spent a lot of time during the past couple years in quarantine re-watching every single Godzilla movie from 1954 to present. The last live action film coming out in 2016. I spent a lot of time in the 60s and 70s specifically watching my favorite era of Godzilla movies, Heisei. And I think it has turned my palate in uh, into such a, a a way that I can appreciate things from a certain era. Now of course those are Japanese tokusatsu films so it's it's totally different but I don't know. I don't know maybe I wasn't ready for a big valley before but I'm ready now. Adam's here, we baby. Abu minute. 
Adam, we in... a minute. <laughs> I want to be a Barkley. I want to be a bastard son. I, I want Tom, I want Thomas Barkley to be my dad. All right, all right. I, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna cut child Adam some slack because this is very much a show for people who are over 30 years yeah, of age. Yeah, that's right. Like, if you showed this to me as a child, it would be like showing a cross to a vampire. They, I, they, it, is, it, is, <laughs> it is also a middle finger to, like, millennials and because this is not a be on your phone show. This is a yeah, sit no. and fucking watch and pay attention to what's going on show. Uh, yeah. So, Adam, why do you think your dad likes this so much? And why do you think your mom doesn't like it? My dad loves westerns. My my dad really loves John Wayne. And it seems obvious to me that John Wayne's whole thing, the whole oeuvre, the, the man, the concept, the mood, this is the show of that. This is the serialized version of of good cowboys versus bad cowboys. And to me, this is more morally complex than I expected it to be. I think, you know, my my dad was born during a time when cowboys were just a really big concept in in media. And it's just obvious like, you know, how why was I into Power Rangers? I don't know. I got sat in front of it and it just rocks, man. So I think it's probably the same reasons, but perhaps my father has nostalgia tied to it. And uh, I think it's totally understandable by counterpoint why my mom can't deal because it's a lot of conversations about land laws. And if you're not looking for the fun, you know, he's talking to his horse sweetly and I'm here for that, Mm -hmm. then you're getting nothing from this except for maybe fashion from Victoria. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a guy's drama, and I don't know what else there is to say about it, but it's clearly not made for me madre. But I, I get it. I totally understand where my, my dad is into it. I, you know, it, it, it's also funny to me. Like, this is when I talked to my dad about TV shows, and I was like, what, what, you know, what were you into? What did you watch as a kid? And like, why'd you like the it? Osbournes? My, my dad, my dad actually did like the Osbournes, but because also my dad's like an old metalhead. Uh, yeah, oh, so, okay. Um, and, uh, but you know, I asked my dad about it, and he said, "You know, what what did I watch as a kid? Whatever was fucking on. We didn't have choices. Yeah. You know, yeah. the shows you watched were what what, what was there. You know, so uh, that was part of that conversation. Thanks, Dad. Real helpful. No, he 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 was actually really good about it. Um, hey, Dad, what did you like to watch? Uh, Marty Riley Reed. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ." <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Marty! Have you have you heard of this Pornhub thing? I gotta tell you, it's a real hoot. Have you ever seen the porn genre? Man desecrates tombstone, has sex with sister, plus cum shot. Marty, it's just like Marty needs to talk to you urgently. <laughs> Give me a call. Uh, uh, so, funny. all right, other question: Who's your favorite Barkley, bro? Oh, I'm a I'm a Heath stand uh, personally. See, the, for me, I'm, I really like Nick, but I find I find Nick simple. His his reckless whims are simple, and I think I could get tired of him being a dummy. And I also found that Jared was too removed. Often He's a bit of a stick in the bud. 
Now, in the first episode that we watched, uh, Palms of Glory, I, I don't know enough about Heath to understand. And I said I couldn't get a beat on him. And in the second episode, he appeared just infrequently enough for me to like the dynamic but not get tired. So I feel like the mystique stays. And I want to know more about Heath. I I like uh, like the Lee Majors is you one, know one, doing one his thing. One thing I noted is that they never in in the uh, the credits even into the third season are like Richard Long as Jared Barkley, Peter Breck as Nick Barkley, Lee Majors as Heath. They very <laughs> specifically <laughs> do not give him the Barkley name, like. Uh, well, that's his last name is is Cliff. Yes, <laughs> his name you. is Heath Cliff. Uh, yeah. He 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 terrorizes the neighborhood, and uh, sometimes he wears uh, a helmet that says "Ham" on it. And uh, Marty's <laughs> Comics Corner. So Heathcliff has turned into a Dadaist nightmare. That is also <laughs> that is also one of the strangest. He's constantly going toe to toe with what is it? Garbage ape. Garbage ape. Yes. Yeah. Heathcliff is so strange, and I love it. I love it. Sorry, Dan. I was gonna do a Wuthering Heights joke, but it's so far back. It's done. Continue with the I comics for, corner. I look for the best episodes of Big Valley, and uh, season three, episode eleven, is named Explosion Two. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that shit is a Metallica song. I'm in, in, in fear, inferring that there is an explosion one at least. <laughs> Sorry, uh, season three, episode eight, the disappearance, Metallica song. Season three, episode twenty-two, Rimfire, Metallica Negative. song. This shit rocks. Uh. I I like the uh, show. I'm sorry. Season one, episode twelve, Night of the Wolf. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm 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 gonna watch more Big Valley. That's gonna be my thing now. I'm gonna see if I can find episodes in a better quality because right now we're just watching them on yeah, YouTube. Pretty rough. Uh, I wanted to say something that I discovered is that uh, in 2010 there was a plan to do a cinematic reboot of the Big Valley, Whoa. starring Susan Sarandon uh, as Victoria. Uh, but okay. that film, yeah, I I can see it now, uh, and I think now she's got a very similar like monarch of a dynasty role. Uh, actually, yeah. wait, no, isn't like her new TV show literally called Monarch, something like that? Um, I can't keep track of her matriarch shows. Uh, how there's like Nashville, Monarch, Matriarch, Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like the the film was shelved after uh. The director that was attached was indicted in a forty-seven, no, sorry, four point seven million dollar tax fraud case, uh, and oh. uh, was facing up to thirty-two years in prison. So that's the last time that that, that was. Like, oh man, uh, oops! But I'm, I would take it. I'm, I want it. I would want a uh, kind of. I don't know what I would want from it. Um, maybe a twenty-one Jump Street revival. I, you know what? I think <laughs> I think you got to leave this one alone because I think one of the things that makes it appealing and also one of the things that makes it rough to watch is the very sixties of it. Right? Yeah. Is yeah. the like? It's rough. It is surprisingly violent. Uh, it is. Uh, you can't do this with a modern understanding of cowboys. Like you, sure. you have to be in that sort of a willful ignorance of, of the 60s you, yeah you, you have to buy into the mythology uh mm-hmm. and this would you know, a modern remake would try probably successfully to deconstruct the mythology but 
if we're being honest, and I've all be it would be so overdone though. It would just be like constantly. And and, like and if we're being honest, special episodes. I've watched a lot of westerns, right? And westerns mm-hmm. have been deconstructing themselves since about 1958. Like we've. Torn sure. it apart from pretty much from what what I thought was basically every angle until Power of the Dog, which was just like, hey man, we haven't talked about how gay this is enough yet. We haven't <laughs> talked about the gayness yeah. of all this yet. <laughs> yeah, at that point. Yeah. Well, I um I I feel like we're at a consensus, but did both of you boys enjoy watching Big Valley? I think I talked my way into liking the Big Valley over yeah, this point. I yeah. I was I texted Marty so um we had an abandoned. Uh, I one of these we uh we were we, we were supposed we were going to do because Marty's sister selfishly got COVID. God um, damn her! Oh, yeah, and, that's rude. yeah, we we uh, but my, my sister and as a result, I had to watch two episodes of Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman, uh, which <laughs> bored spoilers for if we do that bored the living piss out of me. Doctor Quinn Medicine um, Woman, we can successfully say sucks. I got texted it. Marty during the first episode and was like, I cannot believe you made me watch another fucking cowboy show that's just people <laughs> grumbling about land rights. Why are you doing this? And then uh, Marty was like, listen, we'll probably get something out of it. And I texted the second one. I was like, oh, wait, no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this shit slaps. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that, that first one is all set up and maybe we should have skipped it entirely because – but. Yeah. I, I, well, I wouldn't have known who Heath was. That's true. I'm, and I'm, why I'm he's glad, the best. I'm one. glad I understand this. <laughs> Objectively, uh, no, yeah. I'm I'm on board. I like I like Big Valley. I think we both agree that like this shit slaps. Yeah. I, it, to circle back to the original question, uh, though, Heath is objectively the best one, and if he's not your favorite, you're a fool. <laughs> Out yeah, the and the only only other answer could be Victoria, as far as I'm concerned. It's like if you ask what your favorite Power Ranger is, and you don't say green, you're an idiot. It's, it's absolutely oh. Tommy. Hmm. It has to be green. Yeah. I'm a Billy. I, I was a, but the thing is, is you had to choose by you know the, your favorite color, and often you didn't really get to choose. You just had to pick the one that was your favorite color. And everybody liked Tommy. There's too much of a crowd around Tommy. You know what I mean? So uh, you know I what? Had to go you know what? Billy. Je- crowd around Tommy for good. Je- hang on, hang on a second, <laughs> hang on a second. Everybody loves Tommy, but just as I get older and I find myself understanding Cyclops a lot more. Sure. I also, as I get older, find myself understanding Jason a lot more. Jason. The Red Ranger, the yeah. Cyclops of the crew, right? Tommy, sure. Tommy, he got that that Wolverine energy. Everybody loves Tommy. Like, Jason, Jason is doing what he fucking has to do. <laughs> like, sure. Did you guys think it was weird that uh, Senator Bannard said that he wanted to build a reservoir in Stockton so he could play a magic dagger flute and? Uh, <laughs> draw a zord from that said reservoir and i just thought it was weird that the only thing that anybody critiqued was daggett said it would cost too much money like we you know we looked at it right in the face and said it would just be too expensive I, if elected i will uh, i will bring about ivan ooze's return i am making that promise to you here now <laughs> I thought it was. There were no children in Stockton, from what I could tell, so Ooze wouldn't really stand a chance. Oh yeah, he would just be a, just a just a purple bitch. I thought it was yeah. very weird when the ghost of Thomas Barkley appeared in a giant tube and insisted that he needed four <laughs> cowboy brothers with attitude. <laughs> I thought that was weird. I thought it was weird that he specified he needed them with attitude. But huh. Adam Tetteris, thank you for being on the show. God damn it. Adam, Adam, thanks for showing up on the show again. You got anything you want to plug? You want to tell everybody where to find your socials and what to do with your things? 
yes, thank you very much for having me on the show. It really is a delight to be on this show. I, I love the show. I love that you guys are, are committed to this pursuit and are expanding beyond Mayberry. Congratulations to the both of you. It's a weird uh, thing to congratulate to on us, but I'll, I'll take it. Well, you, yeah. come on, please. You move out of Mayberry? I think that's great. I think that is We are moving to be back eventually. <laughs> it's, an, it's basically a rum springer. <laughs> oh, okay, we yeah. can put it like that. Uh, I have a podcast. It's called Man Thing Minute. It's a comedy podcast in which I invite funny folks such as yourselves uh, to join me in reading one single issue of Marvel's Macabre Man-Thing, who I'm so excited is now included in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He appeared as a co-star in Werewolf by Night, which was delightful, by the way. And uh, my goal was to make that character relevant and have fun and connect that character's world to other people's worlds. And I feel like now I don't need to do that because the MCU done did it, right? Uh, but the show's funny. And I enjoy it a lot. And uh, would would you guys be up for being on the show? Again? Yeah, always. always for yeah, one hundred surely one hundred percent. That'd be great. Okay, terrific. So we'll do that. Uh, you can find Man Thing Minute um, on Anchor FM slash Man Thing Minute, or you can follow me on Twitter where I post about Man Thing Minute. Adam Tetteris at Adam Tetteris T E T E R U S. Uh, Adam, I I know what you mean about uh, not really sure what you what to do now because the MCU brought it in. I know what you mean. Uh, I was really surprised when uh, Barney Fife was revealed to be the main villain of Black Adam in the third act. It was it was Whoa. a shocker. Like, Whoa, that really changes the axis of power in the DC. The universe. hierarchy of power has shifted Whoa. in the DC universe, and yeah. Barney Fife uh, is at the top. Cinemasins lit that reveal. <laughs> they found a lot of plot holes with it. <laughs> I'd love to see that, actually. Barney Fife and um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Sure, why not? Uh, I mean, The Rock is absolutely the kind of guy that would appear in like a, like a Scooby-Doo like reboot. The Rock has absolutely solved mysteries with Scooby-Doo. So has Don Knotts. It's happened. Uh, as long as Scooby-Doo was uh, sh- shilling Terramana tequila, then sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, as always, you can get it. Scooby is a drunk. I'm sick that people haven't said it before, but he's a drunk. All right. You don't have to worry about that because he's not in the cartoons anymore. Yeah. Do you think that it's a coincidence that he's not there? (laughs) He's got a problem. He's in rehab and no one's talking about it. They're just moving on with the show. And it's only Terramana, which is fucked up. He mixes it with Zoa, the fastest growing energy drink, which is also owned by mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson. And it's just fucked up. The Scooby only hits the Zoa Terramana. The, um, the number of cartoon characters that Dwayne the Rock Johnson has corrupted and driven to, to alcoholism is something that we are not talking about. I didn't I think it was as bad as when he got Fred Flintstone to join the XFL. <laughs> I thought that was worse. Whoa! Does <laughs> Fred Flintstone wear the uh, bowling helmet, that like furry bone helmet? What's, what's bad is that every time he gets a concussion from playing football, he thinks he's a different guy, and then they trade he him gets, to another team. Yes. <laughs> then, like they don't have to spend any really money. Bad, and they thinks he's an art thief. He hits, gets hits again. He thinks he's a race car driver. I mean, I would watch this. How how do you think that the Dolphins are going to get a first round pick for Tua? That's their whole plan. (laughs) That's their whole plan. They're going to just make him think he's a different guy. And we're like, guess what? Your name is Gardner Minshew. You are the second (laughs) string quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 
I like the idea that Fred Flintstone was never a Neanderthal at all. He was just suffering from CTE. <laughs> As always. Keep it keep this show running. Keep yeah. the show running. He's gonna it's gonna take him like twelve hours to edit this because there's so much crosstalk. They call me the Forrest Gump of Joker. Yo, you guys yeah. yo, you guys excited for that Indian Forrest Gump remake? What? <laughs> there is all right, take now we need to take this off the pot. <laughs> right. There there is there is an Indian Indian there is an Indian Bollywood remake of Forrest Gump that is in, in oh. it is in India cinemas right now. It stars the guy from Three Idiots, which is a great movie. Uh well now I'm excited. I am I am so psyched to see that. Uh, it looks bizarre as hell. Uh the idea that you are taking Forrest Gump, a movie that ex- like very clearly is about America in a very specific time period, and taking it, making it not America and not that time period, looks great. Looks fantastic. All right, I'm into the, the it. The Bollywood version of Bruce Almighty was absolutely awesome because <laughs> his whole thing was he was like, "I'm God now." You know what, God? You didn't fight nearly enough crime. And is that a real thing? Basically, becomes yeah. Yeah, I, I worked his... in a movie theater when it came out, and he uses his god powers to do martial arts and stop bank robberies. That actually sounds really sick, and now, I don't know if we can put in requests, but I would like to see a Bollywood don't mess with the Zohan. Uh, so, <laughs> if we could get that happening. As always, you can get at us on the internet. Uh, we are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. Our Facebook fan group is Breaking Mayberry Fans. Come join us and hang out. If you want to support us with your money dollars and get access to the many, many minutes of this episode that I cut out, uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Remember, $8 a month is our only tier, and it gets you everything. Gets you access to bonus episodes, uh, making us watch things, hanging out in our Discord, other live streams, etc., etc. Eight bucks a month, come hang out with us. Or give us a rating and review. Helps us out in those algorithms. Help us get into other people's earbuds. Those are always nice and fun to have. Um, or, you know what? Send us an email. The Breaking Mayberry at gmail.com account only ever gets spam. I'd like to see an email. It'd be nice. All right. That is it for us. Uh, thank you for joining us. Music you heard before. Well, actually, when, I don't think I'm going to do Well, the music you heard might have been Max Ludwig, uh, who is on Twitch at Sleep Talkie. Uh, I am I am Marty Schneider Thank you Adam Tedros for joining us That's Dan Ludwig Do yep. I have a sign off for this one? Uh, your mother and I are very disappointed in you <laughs> Sure Yeah that's what that was <laughs>